Welcome to the Smarticle Podcast, where we take a good article and make it gooder. Happy Friday to you and yours, although you might not be listening on Friday. We're going to pretend it's a Friday on the Smarticle Podcast. We call it Faith Fridays, where we take a spiritual article concern, take it to the heart of the matter, Brandon. As a reminder, don't use any of the F, A, or C words because it is... Oh. Faithful C words. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that could be. We typically speaking grab from our good friend Richard Rohr from the Center of Action and Contemplation for who, by the way, got name checked by Bono recently, multiple yeah. times in a podcast that we both love. Yeah, the Smartless Podcast. He got name checked twice. They were like Franciscan Friar Richard Rohr. I was like, I know Richard Rohr. Yeah, that was very exciting. Was, I didn't like Bono before that. Then I heard him interviewed on that podcast. So I was like, Bono's pretty great. Well, Richard Rohr is awesome. You can find more about the Center for Action and Contemplation at CAC.org. They're doing a series called The First Half of Life. Subtitle of this, today's episode is Unconditional and Conditional Love. Let me just read a smidge because it's my favorite part. It seems many people raised in our culture in the last few decades grew up backwards by beginning liberal. This leaves the unconverted ego in the position of decider. I don't think we do our children any favors by raising them without boundaries or rules and largely letting them decide for themselves what is right for them. Basically, we're asking them to start from zero. In an overreaction to the generation before them, parents in the church have been trying hard to love unconditionally. Ooh, this is good, Brandon. Well, I love that. I mean, this is so applicable to so many things. Oh, It's not simply just that we're talking about faith here. I think that Rohr, now, Rohr was never a, a parent. I mean, he's he's been a Franciscan friar his whole life. So he hasn't had kids, but what he's hitting onto is spot on. And I think for me, it represents the same reason why I have problem with the Wokesters. And the reason I have problems with them is that they don't think the whole picture, like there's some things that are just simply common sense. And you may not like what they are. You may not like what they're telling you, but it's the truth, right? There's this great podcast out right now um, about how kids learn to read to, I think it's a American public radio. Uh, so it's not a, it's not a MAGA hit piece. It's all about why kids are taught to read they, the way they are and how it's not being done right. And it's fascinating. Every parent should watch this or listen to this podcast. I'm amazed by it. I actually said it to your wife. Who's a learning specialist. It's very rarely that I see a podcast. I'm like, everyone needs to listen to this, but their point in this podcast is that for years, for generations, a, at least one generation, People, kids are being taught at public schools at teaching a reading style that isn't true. And there's all sorts of research to support it. It's not like, well, we kind of disagree on this. All sorts of brain researchers and reading specialists say the way that it's being taught is wrong. They had some, some premises that were wrong. And just now it's starting to come out. It's like, yeah, no, that isn't how kids learn how to read. But you would swear that if you brought that up and as an ex-classroom teacher, I'm telling you, it's absolutely true. If I was to walk into a teachers meeting 10 years ago and say, this is the wrong. There's this lady, Lucy Culkins. If I said, she's not good, people would have lost their minds. Same thing with what Roar's talking about. Uh, you took me down a rabbit hole. I wasn't expecting all I say. You've told me this a lot of times when you, as you pop out as a baby, your whole thing as a baby is to absorb everything that's going on. So you can learn so that if you made it out of the cave, the wolves wouldn't eat you. So the baby's kids are trying to grab and grasp information, right? 
And if you give them no boundaries, they're going to go all over the world. Trying that's to that's the point through. of this. That's what I mean. So it wasn't really a rabbit hole. It was like they were trying to teach kids to read without actually teaching them how to read. This is the same thing. You're going to like try to, you're going to take a kid and you're going to say, look, do it any way that feels good to you. It's like, yeah. no, no, there's a reason why wiser, older people teach us things because they've already experienced it. It's not because they're smarter. I would always tell my students, I'm not smarter than you. I've just got more experience and wisdom than you and training than you. So yeah. take the structure I'm giving you. And then within that structure, do whatever you want. The problem is we've gotten this weird view of the world as a society that says everyone needs to be able to think about whatever they want, do whatever they want, however way they want. Right now, it's all the transgender, non-binary stuff. It's exactly the same. We're not even, we're just saying, hey, whatever you want to do is totally cool. And I agree with that. If you're 25 years old, yeah. you've got a yeah. fully formed brain and you've thought this all out, uh, that is absolutely the truth. But now when you're eight, now <laughs> some people would argue, hey, you know, the, the kid knows and whatever. Well, yeah, maybe if there's a doctor involved and psychiatrist and it's all good. I don't know. I can't speak to individual. But in general, we need to give a framework. And that's what Roar's talking about is a framework. Well, when I read this, I immediately thought of the friends that I know that raise kids. By the way, parenting, there's a thousand ways to do it. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. But people don't have very rigid rules. Not very, just rules, guidelines in house where the kids can do whatever they wanted from the minute of the round. I've, once again, not a doctor, but they have ADHD, they have attention problems, they have discipline problems, and then they go to school, and they thought that whatever they wanted to do for their ever, and then they got to fit into rules of school, of social, and teach. It's like you just see how kids want direction. You can see that they want direction. They want structure. More yes. importantly than us, we want structure in our life. We want a framework in our life. So if you show up at a job and somebody hires you, and they say, here's your desk, but they don't tell you what your job is. They don't yeah. tell you what you're supposed to do. I know somebody that just left a job like that where he was like, I don't even know what they want me to do. It's frustrating. It's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't serve anything. And I think that's what Roar's talking about. He said about his, his father was unconditional as love and his mother was conditional. Yeah. And I think we've always said, oh, you know, God is an un it gives unconditional love. I'm like, no, God doesn't give unconditional love. Yes, God loves us, but he doesn't, unconditional love doesn't say God's okay with you murdering somebody, right? Or God's okay with you doing something yeah. terrible. It's, yeah. it's God's going to love you anyway because he knows you're a broken, hot mess like everyone else. But it's not like God's like, yeah, go for it. Do whatever you want. I'll love you. That's not at all. It's always about conditional love. And on, it's both and. Like his mother was conditional. She was the tough taskmaster. And he said that his brothers and sisters all agreed. It's like, thank goodness we had both. Thank goodness we had a mom that gave us that, that structure and a dad that gave us unconditional love. And you see a lot of families that are like that, where you have this balancing act from parents where you, you in a lot of ways it's like good cop, bad cop. And I yeah. see that with my own child. It's like sometimes I got to be a hard ass with Mabel yeah. and sometimes my wife has got to be and we, and we balance each other and sometimes I've got to just say hey you know what she's seven let's be cool about it we do know other people I know them I've spent time with them where they their kids basically run the show like they're like mom meatloaf right <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like old school and that is just the saddest thing because you know these kids are going to suffer because of it yeah so my wife calls them warm demanders. I can remember my third grade teacher, Miss Stevens. Just really a, a great lady, but she was strict. Like you just knew you couldn't test her bound, boundaries unlimited. And I feel like that way with a parent, like, you know, 
I've set a standard of what I expect, and it's not I, – I, I'm softer, but they know that if I need to rein it in, my kids are going to get reined in, whereas I feel like some parents, there, there's no reining it in. The, the, it's, the, it's a, the gates are open all the time, whereas, once again, I'm a mediocre parent at best, but they know that the limits, that there is some direction, if you cross it, we're going somewhere. Well, I would disagree. I think your kids are amazing. I think your guys' parenting has been great. And you guys are the perfect example of good cop, bad cop a lot of times, right? Yes, sometimes for sure. You're like the sure. hard ass. Sometimes your wife's the hard ass. I mean, I think that that's pretty amazing. Every student I've ever had has heard the story about Mr. Leet, my sixth grade teacher, who I, before I went into this class, I was horrified uh, of getting Mr. Leet. And I just, this one year, my mom forgot to ask for the teacher. I got Mr. Leet. He is to this day. The best teacher I've ever had. He was a hard ass, but he, man, every structural thing I have in my life about working hard, turning my work, doing yeah. what I'm supposed to do, came, I mean, not every, obviously, but certainly academically, he is the cornerstone and foundation of my entire, if I could call Mr. Lee right now and just say, hey, Mr. Lee, thank you so much for what you did for me. He wouldn't even remember me, but he, I remember him, and I remember everything he gave me, and I think that's the point, is that Roar's talking in this this series about the second half of life. And the second half of life is when you've learned the structure and you've learned how things are and how to behave and how to act. And then he says, all right, now let's tear down some of those walls and figure out what's really important. You have the wisdom and the framework now. Now let's look and see what, how God can speak into that because you already have the boundaries in place, right? When you, when you teach little kids to bowl and you put up the little bumpers. If you take a kid, a little kid to go bowling without the bumpers, it sucks for them because the ball's yeah. going in the gutter every time. But the bumpers make it fun. And then eventually we take the bumpers down and hopefully the ball hits the pin instead of going in the gutter every time. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, you know, and you know that I hate to go biblical, but God did give the Ten Commandments and, you know, whatever you can believe in, there's not. But essentially, if you believe in God and believe God created us so he knows the owner's manual for it and then gave some rules like thou shalt not kill thou shalt not covet the wife you shouldn't kill because god knows that's not going to be good for your soul your psyche life human shouldn't sleep with your uh neighbor's wife like once again there are going to be repercussions probably psychologically and god knows the reasons why so he tells you not to do that right and even if it wasn't god and it was just moses giving them or whatever yeah. the framework is there that it's it's setting these rules up and I think part of the problem is, is that some of these rules are hard. They're hard yes. to follow. You see the lady down the street who's hot and you're married. And you're like, man, yes. she's really, you know, maybe you want, but you say the, the rules are put into place to protect us. They're not yeah. to harm us. And I think that is the point of this first and half, second half of life. If the rules are just harming us, then they're not good rules. But if they're in place and they're healthy rules, and I think that goes to the same as in families. You can have weird, strict parents that don't let their kids do anything. You, you see pastor kids, pastor's kids that end up like this, where they're just train wrecks because they've had to live within this framework that's just unreasonable their entire life. That's why I'm always, always, always so impressed with pastors or mission or whatever, religious people whose kids are cool, whose kids are seemingly well-behaved and are you know well-formed because they did it in a really tough structure. And that pastor, uh, man or woman, raised those kids with a strong sense of self without destroying them. I think it's always important to have that balance. Yeah, the rules are strictest at the very beginning with your infant, and then they just, from that minute on, get looser and looser. If, if you want your kids to grow and you want to be a part of the process, 
they become less strict as they go on so you can be there in the process with them. Well, Larry, I would like to thank you for teaching me how to be a oh. better parent. children. 